You know, I think we could all rear back and sing that song from the heart and really mean it. Oh, I need you, I need you. How many times do we need the Lord? All the time, don't we? Always find ourselves in situations that we never thought we would ever be in, that um, God always shows up. He's never failed me. He's never left me. In the same way with you, you can say the same, God is good. Well, we're glad you're here tonight. We're, uh, if you're listening by way of Facebook, we're glad you're joining us um, live stream. We hope you'll come and be with us. We don't consider live stream a substitute for attending church, but um, we urge you to come and be with us. If you don't have a home church at 315 East Peter Avenue right here in Monterey at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights and at 1030 on Sunday mornings, we preach and sing and rejoice and uh, worship the Lord and so come and be with us anytime. We've been uh, going through the book of John, glorious uh, gospel, one of the four gospels, the final of the four gospels. The other three gospels are considered the synoptic gospels um, in that those three gospels are very much alike. They follow one another. They, they, they have a lot of the same stories in them. But the book of John is more, uh, more of a complimentary or more of a, of a um, what's the word? It fills in the blanks. It's basically the, the book of John we found is a book that stresses the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was more than a man. He was more than uh, born of a virgin. He was more than uh, a carpenter's son. He was God in flesh. And uh, that's really the whole premise of the book of John. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Trinity. But this man named Jesus is very much God. And here in chapter 6 of St. John, we have seen that the Lord Jesus, he he made a transit or he, he was transported across the Sea of Galilee and a large crowd had followed him over there, and, uh, and he fed uh, the, the 5,000 people from uh, five loaves of, uh, of bread and two fishes. And they acknowledged him to be a prophet that had come into the world. They saw his miracles. They were impressed. They saw that he could provide their physical needs. They saw that, that he was a man that spoke with authority. And, uh, and so they, they wanted to take him and make him king. And I'm kind of doing a... a, a a review of what we've already talked about because it's been a whole week since we've been here. And there may be people watching tonight that is watching for the first time. So I'm, I'm trying to, to, tie, to, to tie it all together to make it make sense. The disciples, uh, they, they took a boat from uh, uh, back over to uh, Capernaum, and they were caught up in a terrible storm, as we very well know. This was a mighty strong storm, and the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to them, and he's walking on the water. He's walking on the waves of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. Can you imagine in the middle of the night on a boat that is about to sink, and here comes something or someone that appears to be as a ghost walking upon the water in the dark at night? Let me say that again. How terrified these disciples were. How terrified that you and I would be if we had been in that boat and saw something this amazing. 
amazing that this man named Jesus came walking on the water and that he stepped into the boat. And when he stepped into the boat there with his fearful disciples, the storm was calm. There was a great calm that came upon the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible teaches that instantaneously when he stepped into the boat, the sea was calm and the boat was translated or it was quickly moved or it was, or it was instantaneous on the shore. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he is able to defy all of nature, of gravity, of storms, of sickness, and of death, and all of the other things that we face in life, the Lord Jesus Christ is not bound by the law of physics. He's not bound by the law of time. He's not bound by the things that you and I are bound by. In fact, he was sinless. He wasn't even bound by sin because he was sinless. You and I, we have fallen under sin. We were born into sin, and we've partaken of more than our fair share of it. We know the wages of sin is death. The Lord Jesus Christ has overcome death. Therefore, you and I can live forever. It's pretty simple. It's pretty wonderful. But the crowd, they had been fed over on the opposite side of the sea. And uh, they strongly disapp- uh, disapprove of unspiritual motives. Or Jesus, he, he disapproves his, of their unspiritual motives. They were following him for what they could receive. They wanted something from Jesus They had no intention whatsoever of giving him anything in return. Let's pick up here in chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? How can we achieve the works of God? So Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. Listen, that you believe in him whom he has sent. They said, Therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto them, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There's a lesson right there. We could preach on it for about 10 months. Jesus says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Father, we come to you tonight. Hope and Christ fellowship, Lord, we gather together into this place. Like no other day before, this is the day that, that we come together, Lord, to worship you and praise you with a fresh insight, with a fresh outlook. Lord, whatever has been troubling our minds, whatever has been uh, troubling our hearts, whatever has, uh, has caused confusion in our lives, Lord, we pray right now that you bind that and put it away, Lord. Help us to come together tonight, Lord, to receive your word, Lord, to, to receive your truth, to receive encouragement, to receive understanding and wisdom and knowledge of the things of God. Lord, help this minister tonight to stand and preach your word, not his own. Lord, help this minister to stand tonight, Lord, and to speak the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth with the help of God. So, Lord, we just pray for your anointing. We pray, Lord, for your power. We pray, Lord, for your strength. We pray, Lord, for you to enlighten our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we can speak your word with clarity and that we can understand it with clarity. Lord, may it find a place in our hearts and in our minds. And, Lord, may we apply it to our life. There's nothing greater than life application of your word. Lord, help us to not only be hearers, to be doers of the word as well. Oh, God, anoint us tonight, Lord, as we stand in the pulpit and preach from this sacred desk. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. We'll pick up here in verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him and said unto him, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You see, the Jews, they murmured at Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Now, oftentimes, people may, may murmur at you. They may murmur at the church. They may murmur at the preacher. They may murmur at the deacons. They may murmur at anyone who would take a, a strong, hard stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. But here they murmured at Jesus. And I have a feeling that it's not you they hate, but it's God that they hate. I have a feeling that, that the world despises God. You know, I was listening to, a, to a, a Bible scholar this week. He was talking about the fact that that, that, that there are people who claim to be atheists. They claim to not believe that there is a creator. Yet you look at all the creation and you look at all of the complexities just in a human being. 
in our blood cells, in our DNA, in the, in, in the composition of a man. How, how could that ever happen by accident? How could that ever happen by chance? They don't believe in, 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 a, in a creator that, that has all knowledge and all wisdom, but they believe that everything happened by chance. Someone once said that I don't have that kind of faith to, to be an atheist. I have to believe that there is an all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty, all-present, all-sovereign God that spoke it into existence. But these Jews, they murmured against Jesus. So listen, if you're here, sitting here in, in uh, July of 2020, and the world seems to be going down the tubes, and you feel like that, that the whole world murmurs at the church and the whole world despises what we teach, you're in good company. You're in good company. Jesus Christ experienced it himself. Noah, you know the story of Noah. While he was building that ship, people mocked him, and they laughed, scorned him, until the rain began to fall. There's going to come judgment upon this earth again. And as we know, it won't be water the next time, but it's going to be fire. The fire is coming. The fire is coming. So the Jews, they were complaining at the words of our Redeemer. Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. And they murmured at him, and they took it offense to, to the wonderful wisdom that he had. They had resentment towards him. They wanted to be the smartest people in the room. They wanted to, to be the mediator between them and God. They saw him as only a carpenter. They saw his miracles, and they despised his miracles. They despised his teaching. And they saw that, that, that they only knew him as a carpenter from a little despicable town called Nazareth. They couldn't accept Jesus' claim to be deity. He claimed to be the Son of God, and if he was the Son of God, then he must be God himself. So they despise the Lord Jesus Christ. And earlier in this chapter, Jesus declares, he says, I am the bread of life. And he again claims here in this verse, he says, I am the bread of life. But he now reveals where he came from. He not only says that I am the bread of life, but he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. Whoa! It angered. It angered this, this mob that hated him. Did you hear what this blasphemer just said? He claims to be the very bread of heaven, and he claims that he came from heaven itself. This revelation presented such a problem for the Jews. For if Jesus had, in fact, come down from heaven, then he must be, indeed, the Messiah. He must be the Son of God. And the Jews must respond either in belief or they must reject him altogether. You see, they come face to face with reality. They came face to face with the Redeemer. And they had to make a choice. 
You did too. So did I. We had to make a choice. The truth is, Jesus came down from heaven's glory. A beautiful, wonderful place is where he came from. And he stepped down from the throne to ascend to the cross of Calvary. Don't you love him? The murmurers, the grumblers, they were, they were convinced that Jesus' origins was merely earthly. They were convinced that he was only a man. They were convinced that he was the son of a carpenter. Verse 42, look at this. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You see, we're sitting here with the Scriptures 2,000 years later, and it's much easier for you and I to understand with the help of the Holy Spirit the truth. But they just came out of 400 years of silence as far as prophets go. Until John the Baptist came out of the wilderness proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Make straight the way of the Lord. Who is this guy? John the Baptist. He died a martyr's death. He told the truth, and he lost his head because of it. Then the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes along. They know him as the son of Joseph and the son of Mary, and he's claiming to be the one that came, the bread of life, that came from the very throne of glory. The Jews knew that he came from the, from the despised town of Nazareth. The idea that Jesus should, should be heaven's bread seemed absolutely preposterous to them. They were appalled by the declaration that Jesus was making, that he came down from heaven. I'm telling you what, the whole world must have, must have shaken when he spoke these words, I am the bread of life. I came down from heaven. I know these men's hearts were shaken. They were shaking so bad that they were angry. They were appalled, and they knew him as only a man from a little town called Nazareth that nobody wanted anything to do with. But they knew nothing of the message that Gabriel had brought to Mary. They knew nothing of of what the angel of the Lord had brought to Joseph. In the vain thinking of the Jews, they, they thought that Jesus meant that his physical body had come down from heaven. They weren't understanding that he he meant that his person had descended down from heaven. They wasn't understanding that the very God that created and spoke them and everything into existence took on flesh and stood in their presence. They didn't understand the eternal one had put on the flesh of man. And it's hard for me to fathom. It's hard for us to come to grips with this. 
But the Galilean Jews, their hearts were hardened against the, the Messiah, the very one that they were supposedly looking for. They were looking for a conqueror to come and conquer the world, to come and conquer the Romans and give them a better place. There are many today that are looking for a Messiah who will come and give them what they want, that will come and give them justice, that will come and give them a life of ease. They're looking for someone who will bring them wealth, health, and prosperity. Look at verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Boy, he's really getting in deep here. He says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Here Jesus emphasizes man's helplessness and man's complete inability to respond to him apart from God drawing him. This is some deep doctrine. This is some deep doctrine. And I've been diving into this for the past several months. I've I've heard it all my life. But the doctrine of election, the predestination, some folks have a problem with that. I love it. Because I know that it wasn't my good heart that brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ. He left the ninety and nine and went out seeking the one. You and me. It's a work of God. That's what salvation is. What is a gift? That's what a gift is. The gift of God is salvation. We didn't earn it. We didn't, we didn't go out and, and, and somehow become deserving of it. Thank you, Lord. That's why we worship him. That's why he's, he's above all others. There's nothing else you can do in this world that won't cost you something. You go to Hawaii, you, you'll have a good time as long as you have money. When the money runs out, it's time to leave. Go to the grocery store. They'll welcome you in as long as you have money. When the money runs out, your time is up. That's the truth. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came for you and for me and didn't cost us a dime. And he's offering us eternity and beyond for everlasting and everlasting. Life everlasting. Who wouldn't sign up for life everlasting? Those whose hearts are hardened. Those who will not hear. Those who who have the the inability to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 44, he says, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. Friends, we need more preachers preaching this message tonight. No man can come to me. We don't just come any old time that that we take a notion. But we come when the Spirit of God 
draws us. He said, except the Father has sent me, draw, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, coming to Christ, I hope you know, is far more than a decision. And I've heard it a million times, and you have too, Pastor Steve, a million times to talk about those that are converted. And I pray that every single solitary one of them are. But so many times you hear the term used, decision. We make a decision for Christ. But it's far more than making a decision for Christ. It is the Father who, irresist, who irresistibly draws a sinner to his son, Jesus. I don't mind being taken captive by the Lord of heaven to bring me to his dear son that I may come to him and receive him as my Lord and Savior. No one can come to him otherwise. That's what the Bible is saying. The Word of God makes clear that, that, that the fallen hearts of humanity is unwilling the fallen heart of humanity is incapable of coming to Christ. We have to consider, first of all, that before regeneration, before you were a Christian, the Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses. You try to talk a dead person into making a move. How will that work for you? When something's dead, there's no life. There's, there's no way to talk someone dead into raising up and walking. And that's where you and I were. We were dead in our trespasses. But according to Scripture, we were in the trespasses of our sin. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 1 states here, And ye, and you hath he quickened, that is, he's made you alive. God has made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You were spiritually dead. The Bible states that a man's heart is continuously wicked. You may say, well, Brother Darrell, what, what are you getting at tonight? I want you to know the, the glorious, spectacular favor that God has shown you. If you're born again tonight, you are chosen from eternity past to eternity future. And he will keep you for all of eternity. And that's a wonderful, wonderful message. It is God who's made us alive together with him. He says here that, and you hath he quickened who were dead, who were dead, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were all at one time slaves to sin. Look at John 8 and 34. Jesus answered them. He said, verily, verily, that means truly, truly. I say to you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. So we were all at one time servants or slaves to sin. Now, with our old crucified, with our old self crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ, our body of sin was done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. That, that's what it means to be set free 
to be redeemed. The price has been paid. We don't act like we used to act. We don't walk like we used to walk. You know why? Because we've been regenerated. We've been born again. We're new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. And new creatures act like different creatures. So that's why we don't act like the world. That's why we become uh, very disappointed when we see someone who claims to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in their walks, in their ways, they deny Him. The Bible teaches that we were alienated from God. Colossians 2, or Colossians 1 and 21 says, And you, who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We were all by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, even as those that, that will never come to the Lord Jesus Christ we were in as much danger as they were at one time. That is, we were as far out in sin as they were, every one of us. But all oh, His marvelous grace come upon the scene. And He called you on that day and you took that step forward. You did more than make a decision. You came to Christ ready to receive Him as Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that we were all hostile towards God. Romans 8 and 7 says, Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. Look at this. For it is not even able to do so. It's not able to do so. Romans 8 and 7. Let me read that again. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. That is out in our humanness. That's where the preacher was. That's where the preacher was. Listen. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Our minds needed help. Our eyes needed uh, opening. Our ears needed to be able to hear. Our hearts needed to be softened. And the mind that is set on the flesh does not and cannot obey the law of God. It is in truth hostile toward the law of God. We were all spiritually blind. We were all captives. We were all trapped in Satan's kingdom. That's where we are today. We're in Satan's kingdom. That's why the world is so wicked. That's why we can't make sense out of the mess that's going on. This is Satan's uh, kingdom at this time. But it is God, according to Colossians 1.13. Look at this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Who delivered you from the power of darkness? God did. He delivered you from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now, we were in and of ourselves powerless to change. We were in and of ourselves powerless to change in our sinful nature. We were unable to please God. We were unable because we were fleshly. We were fleshly. We were incapable of even understanding spiritual truths. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man... Look at this. I'm not making this up. Check me if I'm wrong. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness to them. That's why the masses, the thousands, the millions thinks we're fools. This is foolishness to them. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me read that again. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But now, we forever have a helper. We have the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because the world does not see him. The world does not know him. It is not in and of our own selves that we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is in truth limited to the redeemed who God has given to Christ. I'm glad that he knew my name before I was born. I'm glad he knew that there was a day going to come that he was going to create me and that I was going to need a Savior. Now, I can't rightly explain the whole premise of God's plan. Let me be a little more specific. I can't explain almost any of God's plan. But we have the Word of God, and it teaches us the very thing that I'm saying is that salvation comes to us by God. I'm glad that he he abides in us. I'm glad that we have the comforter, that he has sent into us. He, he, He now dwells in us. Aren't you glad he didn't leave us comfortless? I hope that what we gather from the word of God tonight is the understanding that unregenerate man cannot and will not come to God except the God of heaven draw him. Pastor Steve, is that right? I believe that's the truth. It is not in and of ourselves that we come to Christ. I can't boast like that because it would be a lie. Because the Bible says that my heart's continuously wicked. There's no way I would want a righteous and holy God to have to submit myself to because I'm too wicked. Steve was talking about being transparent. I'm being transparent with you. Not to make it about me tonight, but to tell you, I'm not good enough. There's not enough good in me to come to Christ. Except God chose me and he called me and I answered because it was an irresistible calling. I needed him more than life's breath and so I do today. And you do too as well. But I hope we gather tonight the understanding that regeneration of man cannot and will not come except God drawing. It's not in and of me, but it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it is in truth limited to the redeemed of God. He's given us to His Son. We're the bride. He's the groom. And He's, he's gone to prepare a place for the bride. And He's coming again. And, he, and you're going to go to Him, and we're going to go to heaven to live in that happy home for all of eternity. I'm glad we have right doctrine at this church. I'm glad we have right understanding of the Word of God and we're not ashamed of it. As Jesus states as a fact in verse 37, John 6, 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Did you get that? All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Have we got it up there, verse 37? All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me 
I will in no wise cast out. Look, it doesn't say all that the Father has given me may come to me, might come to me, should come to me. It says shall. That means absolutely will. You're not here at this church proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ by mistake. You're not here claiming that when Jesus calls that you're ready, call me gone by mistake. He called you and you answered. And thank God for his plan. Once again, Jesus repeated the wonderful promise that all whom the Father chooses will be drawn and they will come and they will receive and he will raise them up on the last day. All who came to Christ will be kept by Christ. Oh, yes, the Bible teaches that we strive for holiness, that we strive for perfection. But he's going to give you the drive to do that. He's going to give you the love for him to do that. He's He's going to equip the saints. That's part of the equipping of the saints. It's not just just studying your Bible. But he's going to give you the ability to walk in newness of life, to be what you're supposed to be in the name of Jesus Christ. All who come to Christ is going to be kept by him, and and there is no possibility that even one of his elect will be lost. This is wonderful news. You could follow me across town, and I might lose you before we could get to the, to the Dairy Queen. But he's not going to lose one. Not one, not ever. Verse 45 says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. These are instructions. He's saying, And they shall all. Be all taught of God, every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Now, emphasizing that his teaching was consistent with the teaching of Isaiah, the Lord Jesus says, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Who shall be taught of God? The elect. Those who come to Christ by God's saving grace through faith, are supernaturally instructed by God. Isaiah 54, 13 says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Do you see our complete reliance, our complete dependency upon God? Do you see how dependent you are? You think you're pretty strong, you better look out. Because you're completely dependent upon the grace and mercy and the love of God. God is love, by the way. The draw to salvation, I hope you realize by now, is a sovereign work of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned, the Scripture says, of the Father, cometh to me. We're drawn to him because he's put his law in our hearts. We're drawn to him because the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. We're drawn to him by the power of his written word. And we're drawn to him by by the preaching of his written word. We're drawn to him through his creation. You see, man is without excuse as far as the knowledge of God goes. 
The Scripture says here in Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Clear, spiritual eyes cannot help but see and look at the marvelous creation that He has made. And as surely as the one that hears and learns of the Father will come to Christ. We keep praying, we keep evangelizing, we keep preaching, we keep showing up, we keep shining a light, we keep telling the world about Jesus, and those that will come, will come, we can count on it. Our work will not be in vain. The Bible says that one man sows or plants and another man waters, but it's God that gives the increase. The ministers or the church members should never measure their success based on well, how many conversions did we have. Well, first of all, they're God's conversions. They're not my conversions. They're not your conversions, but they're God's conversions. It's a work of God. Now, this would anger. This type of, this type of teaching would anger the Jewish opponents. Because they prided themselves on being the the mighty mediator. They prided themselves on having all the knowledge on how to get to God. But John 6, 46 says, Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. As the Son of God, Jesus possesses an exclusive knowledge of heaven. He has exclusive knowledge access to God the Father. And only the Son of God who was sent to earth from heaven has seen the Father. No one, you know, you hear a lot, you, you, you see a lot of books that's been written, you hear a lot of people talking about they've seen God, they went to heaven, they came back, and they have all of these stories to tell you, don't believe it. They may be well-intended, but don't believe it. Don't believe it. No man has seen God at any time. That's what the Scriptures teach. I'm going to go with the Scriptures. Aren't you? I'm going to go with what the Scriptures say. Oh, I'd love to tell you, oh, I saw heaven. You know, I, I have had dreams, but I'm not going to tell you I, I went to heaven and came back. But many will. They sell a lot of books that way, by the way. But Jesus solemnly states, he says, Verily, verily, in verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So to the contrary... They who don't believe in Him shall die in their sin. Those that don't believe in Him will face eternity without God, eternally separated from heaven, eternally separated from God in the darkness of hell where the worm dieth not, where the fire is never quenched. There is that place for those who refuse to believe. Can you imagine the anger on the faces of the Jews? They knew Jesus' family. They knew his brothers and sisters. They knew Joseph and Mary. But what Jesus was saying was considered outrageous and was stirring up the people. But how could they account for his miracles? He'd done some, mar some marvelous miracles. We know from elsewhere in the Gospels that Jesus was accused of being mad. He was accused of being demon-possessed. Yes, 
Our Lord and Savior was accused of being demon-possessed. That's blasphemy in and of itself. But Jesus' statement assuring them that he that believeth on me hath everlasting life was blasphemous in the eyes of the Jews. They accused the God of heaven that came in flesh of being of the devil. They accused him of blasphemy. Of course, this, would not, this wasn't blasphemy at all because Jesus is God. From, uh, from the redeemed, uh, or for the, for the redeemed, these words are encouraging and they're comforting. For you and I, knowing that, that our God came in the flesh and he suffered a gruesome, awful death by choice, should be encouraging to you. We know for certain that everlasting life is ours. We know for certain that there's a better day coming. We know for certain that the riots and the turmoil that's going on in this crazy, dark world is not the best days that we're going to have. I agree that the best is yet to come. Not in this world, but of the world which is to come. The best is yet to come, and I believe it's quickly approaching. I believe it's coming soon. I believe Jesus could come at any moment. Verse 48, he says simply... I am the bread of life. You know, in the Garden of Eden, if you'll recall, there was a certain tree in the midst of that garden. That tree was a a tree that would give eternal life to the one who would eat of it. And that tree was called, of course, the tree of life. It was there. It was present. And I want you to know that Christ Jesus is now, to you and I, the tree of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is the bread of life. The, of course, these are, these are metaphors of, of who Jesus is. He's everything all wrapped up into one. He is life. He, he gives eternal life. But unlike the manna, uh, which God fed the Israelites during their, their wilderness warning, uh, uh, journey for 40 years in the wilderness, unlike that manna that only pleased them for a little while, it only pleased the flesh for a little while, Jesus Christ, the bread of life, eternally sustains life for those who put their faith in Him. He's more than enough, friend. He's all sufficient. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, and I'm glad that it is. Psalm 34, 8, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. The bread of life is so excellent, it's so wonderful, it's so glorious. The Jesus Christ of the Bible is the bread of life and that he is the one who feeds us for all of eternity. And if we'll feed upon him, that is, if we'll become one with him, we will never, ever be dissatisfied. That's the Savior that we serve. Hope in Christ Fellowship, do you know what that means? That means all hope in Christ. It's not a little bit of hope to add to some other hope, but he's all the hope that we have. He's all that we need. Jesus reminds the Jews of an undeniable truth here in verse 49. He says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are 
Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. If you remember, they complained because Jesus gave them one serving of bread and fish. One serving. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Oh, but Moses fed us for many years. He fed the whole nation of Israel. You must not be any better than Moses. Even though it was miraculously provided by God to sustain the Israelites' physical life, the manna could not impart eternal life. What manna they ate upon was physical. Yes, it was a gift of heaven, but it was physical. The manna in the wilderness would support life, but it could not give life. The proof was clear for those who had eaten the bread of angels are dead. And we'll stop with verse 50. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Listen, that one verse right there, if we would, if we would keep that in our hearts and in our minds all week long, we could rejoice. This is the bread of life which come down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Who wants to die in here? Anybody want to die? Any volunteers? No. You like life. You want to live. You want to live. And Jesus wants you to live. And you're going to live. You don't get no better than that. Metaphorically, Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is the true bread which come down from heaven that a man may eat thereof. I want you to know tonight that Jesus alone rescues sinners from eternal death. That's why we make much of him around here. And if we wouldn't make making much of him around here, we'd make much of him somewhere else, wouldn't we? He's everything. He's not part of our life. He's all of our life. But he satisfies the emptiness of man, the void down in your soul that is yearning and hungering for a better place. That's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he satisfies us who are hungry, those of us that are thirsty. He'll satisfy us. Oh, yeah, we walk in the wilderness still. We walk in the wilderness of a dark world. But he's taking us home. Some of us are going home by one, one by one, but he may take us all home tonight in one uh, twinkling of an eye. Either way, he's got a better place prepared. Those who come to Christ, those willing to become one with him, they receive life which he bestows on them, which will never be extinguished. Because he says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. That's good news. Stand with me, if you will. We have uh, much to pray about. We know God hears we know God answers. We know God is able. Uh, our nation 
needs prayer. I've not given up on God to work in our nation, in our politicians. I know God has a purpose and a plan, and I know that according to His plan, it's a good plan. He says he, that He works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord. So we know that God is bringing things around just the way that, that, that He intends. But let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our police officers, our military. You know, we just celebrated the 4th of July, and I'm thankful to God for a nation that, at least for the moment, still allows us to preach the gospel. And I'm thankful to God for our military who have, they, they defend our country and they keep us as safe as they humanly possibly can. So I'm grateful for that. I know you are too. Our nation isn't perfect. It's flawed, but it's still the greatest nation on earth. And I'm thankful for it. I know you are too. There's many people who are sick. There's, there, there were several people mentioned this morning that, that had passed away. Uh, let's keep their families in, in prayer. And I won't attempt to start mentioning names because I'll get it wrong completely. But God knows their names. But let's be a praying church, a believing church. Uh, I know Nola's got some uh, uh, neighbors that, in the apartment next to her that have been diagnosed with the COVID-19. Uh, and us uh, be in prayer for them. They're 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 isolated and and quarantined, and so uh, let's pray for them. Uh, any other prayer requests? Anybody else? Let's remember uh, the town of Monterey. You know, we talk about the nation. We talk about way off out there, but let's remember the the town right here. The neighbors, the people next door. I'm hoping, I'm hoping soon that we can start planning something for our, our outdoor uh, tent uh, meetings. Get out and make some noise for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let people know that we're alive and we're and we're excited about the Lord that we serve. And uh, so let's let's be in prayer about that. Um, any other needs that we need to pray about? I know there there are many things, there are many people. Uh, but God knows them all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace, your power, the power of your word. Lord, we're thankful for our church that believes, truly believes, and we're open and acceptant to the whole truth of your word. Lord, we pray that you will you will give us knowledge and wisdom as we go forward, Lord, and we return to this place. Lord, I pray that, that we can return jubilantly and not downtrodden and, and troubled but excited because, because we're looking to you each and every day. Lord, we pray for the sick, for the afflicted, for those who, who have passed away. We pray, Lord, for their families that are, that are grieving. And uh, Lord, we pray you just wrap your arms around, around them and comfort them. Lord, we pray for those that are sick with this, with this plague, uh, with this terrible disease, the COVID-19 disease. Lord, we pray that that, that, that can be dampened and, and, 
and uh, put a put an end to. Lord, we pray for our nation that uh, rather than fighting and 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 there being so much division, Lord, that we'll pull together in love and unity under the cross of Jesus Christ, believing and trusting in you. Lord, we know that this life is but a vapor, and we're not going to be here long enough to change the world. But Lord, while we're here, we pray, God, that we can make a difference to those that are within our reach with the truth. Oh, God, may your heavenly place be expanded. May that place be full of... of uh, of people who are on this earth today that are not saved, Lord, we pray that they'll come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that we can have a hand in that with evangelism and spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for each and every one here tonight. Be with us, Lord, as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' holy name we ask and pray. Amen. Y'all have a blessed and glorious week. God bless you.